people's eyes yeah. are now the new currency. Right. So say that again. The eyes are now the new currency. Absolutely. Hmm. There's companies that are profiting off of the viewership of people. And then, you know, that viewership and attention is being sold. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. Round two in the van. Well, round 68 to be specific. But second round of uh, cruising around and doing the mobile podcast. Guess what happened last time I went out to podcast in the van? My computer crashed. <laughs> so I was an hour in to a conversation and all of a sudden my computer crashed. And it freaked me out because I, you know, I have put these conversations down with importance in my mind, but, but the importance is getting them out. And I had to really do a bit of searching, a bit of soul searching, if you like, to, to work out, actually, no, the internet is just one part of the output, but the input is what I get from the actual conversation. So I called the guest up. He's the same guest that's on this week, Ira Munn. And I said, Ira, I'd like to do the podcast again. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm keen. And you know what? We went back, we did a round two. It was a different conversation, equally as beautiful. I kind of feel like conversations are amazing and that's why we have them all the time. So I learned a lesson and the lesson was it's not just about producing the content for the internet. And I think I knew that, but I also learned a lesson. The lesson is to savor each unique moment for what it is. And I think that's what this whole world we live in is trying to teach us or the lessons you know like the hard-earned lessons maybe it be depression or or worse it's trying to teach us to to savor the moment to uh, to be in the moment but boy oh boy it's tricky it's really tricky you know like there's lots of things to put us off there's so much incentive for me as a digital creator to publish that publish the to publish the conversation and I don't really know where that other incentive to sit down and have a chat to someone comes from apart from my own internal drive so maybe we need to be having more incentives for people to get together and talk you know we have lots of incentives say to go to the movies and be together but not talk together so I don't know I kind of get the feeling that the job's only half done, you know? We need to find a way to shine in our humanity. And I don't really know what that means, but I think you all know what I mean. It was really <clears throat> well articulated by my last guest, Hugh Jones. He said, we need to collectively level up our consciousness so not too many of us get left behind. And I've been thinking about him saying that and what that means to me. And it means something like, and, you know, it's like, um, it's like the rest of the world is on fiber internet, the fastest speeds they can watch without glitches, without buffering, but there's still some people over here on dial up or no internet and they're just not part of the conversation. And, and also we've got this looming thing of AI and this for me, that represents this outsourcing of thinking. But I guess 
leveling up our consciousness is all of the beautiful things and the scary things that if you don't need to think about that stuff because something else does that job for you you won't and that's that's scary isn't it i mean we've seen it all the time with things like you know we drive everywhere we ride our bike everywhere we catch the train everywhere we fly everywhere but we don't walk and there's many beautiful things that come with walking it's ironic that i'm driving right now it would be so epic if i was walking right now but you know what i mean like you are breathing because you're walking you are thinking when you're walking you're looking when you're walking you're doing you know 50 awesome things and and we just don't want to i don't want to live in a world where driving is the only option and and i think we're moving towards that you know there's way more it's harder to get to places by foot um and really easier to get to places by car so what does that mean i don't know it just means we've got to critically think of these kind of things and and this week's guest ira ira munn is his name he talks about critical analysis he talks about you know deep thought he talks about having this god gifted ability as he puts it to critically think and it really struck me that it is you know something quite amazing to critically think and and the fact that we just because we know doesn't make it better (laughs) <laughs> you know I wonder how much of our world now we're, we're kind of servicing these thoughts in our minds just by knowing but you've got to do some action too and I think we all know that and we all believe that but how how is the question when you're told to speak up how are you supposed to speak up if the incentive in the world is not to speak that is what I'm pondering that is what Ira and I ponder I would like to thank you for joining us on my podcast and blowing our minds and being here for the conversation enjoy this week's episode with my new LED lighting setup (laughs) I'm always tinkering with the van soon I'm going to film a little video which shows the van off a bit but for now you're going to see two human beings jammed in the back of a really tiny van having a conversation about life and blowing our minds together. We live in a world that encourages us to remove ourselves from the human experience. Whether it's looking at our phones too long, forgetting how to talk to someone face to face, or just straight up giving in and convincing ourselves that a chicken nugget is actual food. It's not food, it's violence. I don't know about you, but this freaks me out. So I've started a podcast, my antidote to this silliness. It's time to blow our minds. My name is Will Fleming. Welcome to my podcast. Please blow my mind. Ira, we're back in the van. Hey. Round two. Hey, my brother. (laughs) Um, Just a little bit of context. We've tried this before. We had like an hour long discussion and then I looked at you with those wide eyes. (laughs) And I was like, bro, the the computer's crashed. (laughs) And you were so gracious. You were like, it's all good, man. It's all good, brother. (laughs) I was trying to like, you know, like in this podcast, I try and go deep and I try and find a reason for everything. Yeah. But the computer just crashed. And sometimes there's no big philosophical reason right it's just the computer crash that's right <laughs> so how's life man how are you oh life's good brother yeah yeah um we talked a, a lot about a lot of things in our yeah. previous podcast that will never go to air uh we i guess that podcast we chalk it up as it was nice for us 
It was, brother. You know, it was yeah. just us catching up. Yeah. It's like I kind of left feeling a bit, you know, down that I lost it because every podcast and, and conversation is special. But I then I then thought about it during the week, and I thought, isn't it nice that I got to spend an hour with someone? Yeah, and just talk. Absolutely, and how conditioned we are in this world to think we have to get something out of it, apart yeah. from what it was, which was just the conversation. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So so um, I'm just thinking where to start again. I wonder if we do start from the beginning. And I think last time I asked you, you know, how did a boy from the USA find himself in New Zealand? And, and maybe we can start there. Yeah. Like, how did you and why are you in New Zealand? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I used to teach economics. Yeah. And so I go deep into a lot of the reasons for why we see certain things mm -hmm. as far as economic collapse recession, things of that nature. And back in 2015, mm. Sherelle and I, we were like, well, there's a lot of things going on. Mm. You know, uh, to, I was just reading a, an article on uh, the death of Eric Gardner right. at the hands of police. And so we saw several things taking place. One, African-Americans in general were um, treated terribly still are yes. in the United States, oftentimes at the hands of um, police forces where people's lives are not being valued mm. as they should. And there's little adjudication when terrible things do happen. Mm. And so um, in addition to that, I take a look at the precursors to the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. And I see those same indicators taking place now but worse. Mm. And this was back in 2015. Right. And so we're, we were like, well, there's a lot of things going on that are signaling worse times to come. Mm. And so should we, you know, stay in the United States where, you know, the center of an economic financial crisis is likely to take place from the indicators that I see? Mm. Or should we go to a country that was a little bit more financially responsible during those times? And so uh, we made the decision to move to New Zealand. Wow. Yeah. Now, this is pre-Trump. Mm, right. We're now kind of post-Trump and the world is trying to figure it out. And I guess I might just hold on that point for a second, because like a lot of things in life, <clears throat> I try and look at things from a common ground perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I've often wondered why I'm like I'm like that. You know, mm -hmm. there seems to be a push. And this is just an uneducated mind. What, a, how do you say it without self-deprecation? This is a mind which is enjoyed the, a good quality of life yeah. and maybe has I'm talking about myself yeah. and maybe has forgotten about you know the real that for most of history it wasn't guaranteed that you could get up and have a great day yeah. so something like that I say it an acknowledgement because when I look at the world it's hard for me to see the very complicated bits and, and the bits that don't go right for everyone. So instead, I've only seen compassion in my life. So I focus on trying to find common ground. And sometimes that's uncomfortable because I look at someone like Trump mm -hmm. and I think if I was to try and say some positive things, yeah, what would you say? Yeah. You know? And I sit there and I think, well, uh, is America in new wars? You know, um, um, you and, and that's the thing, because I don't know, I've got to be very careful because it kind of feels like when you say the word Trump, they come, it comes with so much baggage now. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to say about this whole palaver is what's your take on it? Because you left thinking 
and analyzing that market. Were you right? I mean, how's how's it going? Yeah. Post post you leaving, and if can you even talk to that in a common ground way? Is it getting worse? Is it better? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're too simplistic terms. I don't know. Well, one thing that I noticed mm. was that. You know, I see it getting a little bit worse. Right. Now, things didn't happen as terribly as what we foresaw when we were expecting it to. Right. But, you know, one thing that we wanted to do was, you know, settle foundations, you know, early wherever mm-hmm. it was before, you know, you know, terrible times came. But what are we seeing now? You know, just over the past few days, the Dow dropped like 800 points in like right. one day, like ridiculous. You know, and we're, we're now in 2019. And like you say, pre-Trump, that was during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. One thing that I noticed going back to, you know, different things regarding police brutality was that this was all taking place, quote unquote, on Obama's watch. Right. While at that time. Obama was not doing much pertaining to police brutality Mm. and, you know, the murdering of African-American men and women. Yes. You know, where there's no adjudication taking place for those particular crimes Mm. at the hands oftentimes of law enforcement. And so one thing that we saw was that, you know, Obama uh, and whom I didn't vote for either term. Right. You know, was not giving so much as a phone call Mm. to the parents and family members of the deceased. Yes. You know, and so um, one thing that I realized was that both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are two wings of the same bird. (laughs) Whichever party is in power. Whether it be the presidency, whether it be Congress, you know, Senate, House of Representatives, every year there's a military budget and that military budget gets passed, you know, with little opposition where, you know, you have relationships where weapons oftentimes being produced by U.S. companies are being produced, purchased, sold to drop bombs on innocent men, women Mm. and children in places around the world in order for certain entities, organizations, businesses to acquire the oil resources or other resources that are underneath yeah. those people's feet. Right. So and and that was irrespective of which main two parties are in power. Now, there are third parties in the United States, but they don't get any representation mm. due to the political system that's in place. Yeah. It's a two party system, basically, where people are forced or pretty much coerced due to the desire for relevance to choose between those two parties. And so maybe I did a bit of prejudgment. When Would it be fair to say when you were analyzing, you were also analyzing the current state of this two party system? Yes. And you made a total aggregate decision. Mm. Right. And I was just thinking it might have been between, you know, Democrats and Republicans. But I guess it's the system in general. Absolutely. You're investing in moving away. Yeah. These were all contributive factors. Mm. And so, you know, one thing that I desired to do was to, you know, have influence positively on, you know, not only community, family, Mm. you know, a a particular country, but the world. Mm. And, you know, I felt like and we felt as though we can make positive change, you know, set up a solid foundation for our family financially. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, have impact, which I think a lot of people desire to do um, based here in New Zealand. So there's a lot of places 
people move to when they come to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. You chose Auckland, and mm -hmm. Auckland is the, you know, let's say the hub for, <clears throat> it's like one million people of a five million people country or something like that. And yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's all of the highs and all, the, all of the lows. But I came across you in areas of Auckland which people avoid. Mm. which people actively try and drive around. And I'm referring to South mm -hmm. Auckland. Yeah. It's a place that um, I am also part of that traditionally. You know, I, I made every effort to skip past it mm -hmm. because what it represented to me is, I don't know, um, the opposite to what, say, Remuera in those areas right. or the city or, you know, the bright lights. But the more I've worked in that area, the mm -hmm. more I've worked with the community, mm -hmm. it's kind of really boggled my mind because – it's so counterintuitive when you work in areas that need your time, love, mm -hmm. support. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a very you, – you get more. And I think we spoke about this in our last podcast. Like sometimes I feel like we outsource our goodwill yeah. by we do the donation to the company and they do the, the work. Mm -hmm. But we're missing the bit. We're missing the, the, the human connection, the actual – for you as the person giving to see what that means right as opposed to you getting the quick endorphin hit for doing your $20 donation or something like that yeah now how did you get involved with South Auckland and and was that part of your thinking that you're not just going to set up shop in New Zealand and go straight to all of the areas where you know uh, you think of People moving to New Zealand, then they're, they're moving to I don't know, buy islands and set themselves up for Armageddon and things like that. Mm -hmm. Was that always part of the plan for you to to look how you can get into communities that need you know support? Well, you know, we've always been a part of you know community service, right. you know, in various ways. Yeah. So in Los Angeles, both Sherelle and I worked with an organization called Amen, mm. which um, in the uh, um, Inglewood area mm -hmm. was dedicated to delivering science, technology, engineering, and mathematics uh, mentoring wow. to students, uh, and particularly in the aerospace domain. Mm. So uh, the founders of Amen, uh, Dr. Betty Walker and Hal Walker, you know, are longtime friends. And as we were looking for an Airbnb to move to here in New Zealand, uh, we came across this wonderful home and uh, reached out to the homeowners of that family uh, who had posted on Airbnb. And uh, while the, what was, the price I was being offered was a little bit higher than our budget would allow, uh, we ended up being great friends with um, Judy Spate right. and Tony Marinovich. Yes. And so, uh, of, of um, as we know, uh, we Otara uh, mm -hmm. accelerating Aotearoa. Mm -hmm. And so, um, at the time, they were doing and had been doing work pertaining to uh, IT yeah. and STEM for young people for many years, similar to Amen mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. Right. So we actually put together a Skype call, bringing those two organizations together even before we moved to New Zealand. And so as soon as we moved to New Zealand, you know, we um, began work with Accelerating Aotearoa mm -hmm. um, just around that time. Um, space had been given to Judy and Tony yeah. for um, uh, the starting of a, a STEM center in Otara, which is where you and I met. Right. Yeah. And so uh, and so uh, we've been doing work with them uh, through the geek camps, uh, the holiday programs, 
um, the the park jams mm. um, for ever since we moved to New Zealand. That was in September 2015. I think there was a park jam that no, that November mm-hmm. uh, that we you know worked with the whole accelerating Aotearoa family, you know, to to organize and have been doing so for for years now. So, yes, it's a wonderful experience. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in Otara and uh, and it's it's so it's a wonderful place with wonderful people Mm. who are willing to, you know, keep community together, you know. And so a lot of the, um, I guess, images of Otara and mm. South Auckland in general uh, are a little misperceived. And, and we found this out as we, you know, do, you know, work in the, in the area, you know, live, work, play, thrive there. Mm. Then we, then we find out, you know, more of the reality rather than the perception. Mm. So, uh, so there's wonderful people there. No place is perfect. Exactly. Yeah. You know, anywhere around the world, so long as there's people, there's going to be imperfections. Mm. So uh, so it's just wonderful that we have the privilege, really, to, you know, work with and be a part of a wonderful community such as Otara, but many other places throughout, you know, Auckland and outside of Auckland throughout New Zealand. So you mentioned Sherelle, is it? Yes. Is, who's that? That's my wife. Okay. Yes. So, so I was... Um, who pitched who to move from the US? That's that that's an interesting story. <laughs> so when um I think it was like shortly before Mother's Day 2015, mm. uh Sherelle was heading to Oregon to visit her mom. And so she said, if God forbid something was to happen, you know, where should we meet up? And I was like, okay, um, maybe someplace in Agora Hills or something like that. You know, if there was a a place where we couldn't contact each other, where would we, where would a meeting place be? Yeah. And she said, no, no, like outside of the United States. Well, so that, that got me to thinking. And so, (laughs) um, I think, I think the, the day before she left to visit her mom, uh, for, for like a few days, I said, um, Christchurch, New Zealand. Wow. And the reason I had said that is because um, I knew about Christchurch and, um, you know, I was corresponding with somebody from New Zealand at the time. So I was like, let's let's meet up there. And, you know, I said, well, the city has the name Christ and church in it. So how bad could it be? Right. <laughs> and so um, I, I did a little bit of research on Christchurch and, and the, 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 the temperature as far as the climate was a little bit cooler oh, than yeah. uh, <laughs> what uh, we were accustomed to in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, when she came back, I said, uh, well, you know, let's move to New Zealand if, you know, something like that were to take place mm-hmm. and, and, you know, let it be Auckland. And so um, shortly after that, I, I had done some research where, you know, I came across information that, you know, indicated that bad times were ahead. And so, um, you know, we made the decision shortly thereafter to move to New Zealand. Mm, wow. Yeah. I sometimes wonder, you know, it's quite common for Kiwis to do an OE. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's it's almost been part of the fabric, you know, you you. You go to school and then you maybe travel and you come back and study or you stay for a few years, you know, and yeah. and you are the odd one out. And I think that's what makes New Zealanders interesting. Um, but I always wonder what it's like for people to come here, yeah. you know, because 
I would imagine we have this strange accent. We're maybe thought of as some type of hobbit, which is <laughs> kind of true. You know, like, I don't know if there's that many people podcasting from the back of vans you know that's a real hobbit thing to do you know come on down to the shire and we'll do a podcast in the van you know what i mean but but it's i i guess it's that isolation you know mm. traditionally before the internet you had to wait you know two or three weeks for your letter to go overseas mm. and 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 I, I guess some of that the beauty of the world has changed since we went global mm. you know it's like there's no off time and on time it's mm. just on mm. and you can outsource you know your happiness 24 hours a day or your pain and mm. it, it, it kind of never it never stops but um what would do you remember your first kind of feelings when you arrived here well um yeah you know i you know we we were glad to have arrived you know we had like suitcases and suitcases i mean we really like packed mm -hmm. up our life and moved and 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 left things behind too what did the folks back in the u.s were they like see you forever the, well it's uncommon for many americans to decide to leave the united states by right, the way right and and because of that is because the the image that you know the united states is like the place yeah to be. And a lot of Americans have bought into that. So due to that, you know, there's a lot of Americans who don't even have passports. Right. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So what you need to even travel outside of the United States, let alone live, you know, some, some many Americans haven't even done that. Mm. So, you know, when, you know, we share with, you know, friends and family that we were moving to New Zealand, they were like, number one, moving was a surprise <laughs> outside of the country. And then to New Zealand, a lot of people were like, where's that? <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, you're moving to Europe? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, New Zealand's in the South Pacific. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, New Zealand. And, and, and those who did know about New Zealand, you know, were like, wow, you're moving to New Zealand. <laughs> and uh, and it, it caught, you know, so many people by surprise. Mm. You know, there was a lot of research that I did uh, prior to, you know, making the decision to move. You know, one of which that New Zealand, you know, on a global basis is one of the best places to start a business. Right. One, uh, it's one of the safest places in the world by, you know, several indices. Mm. So and then I, I found out this was after we made the decision to move that there's no snakes in New Zealand. Yeah. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I was feeling that Drew because, that. you know. Me and snakes, you know, we we really haven't formed a tight bond. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So so, um, you know, when I heard about that, I was like, that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Additionally, when I heard that there was no nuclear facilities in New Zealand, mm -hmm. I was like, that's awesome. You know, and it's not every day that you're you come across a, a industrialized, quote unquote, country that doesn't have nuclear facilities mm -hmm. because, you know, in the 80s, you know, you know, I was born in 79. So in the 80s, you know, we heard about Chernobyl, mm -hmm. of course, in the mm -hmm. Ukraine. And, you know, just a few years ago, we heard about the Fukushima power plant yep. disaster mm -hmm. where, you know, for a long time after that, you know, you had literally nuclear fits of material through the soil mm. entering into the oceans, mm. you know, and um, and that that whole tsunami and, you know, that um, that failure of the of the power plant. You know, I thought to myself, why would anyone anywhere around the world build a nuclear facility mm. after these events 
where you have such a catastrophe that can possibly take place from either a uh, a natural disaster or, you know, whatever cause. And um, and so when I found out that New Zealand didn't have any power plants, I'm like, that's that's awesome. That's man. The place. Yeah, because, you know, as a little bit of what we touched on before mm. is that there's plenty of energy all around us. It's yeah. just a matter of tapping into it mm. and harnessing that energy and making the most efficient use of that energy as possible. And in doing so, we have the ability to power all of what we need to power several populations over you know there's you know seven going on eight eight billion people in the world and you know there could be 25 30 billion people in the world and if we make efficient use of our technology and resources there's more than enough energy to supply all of our needs many populations over if we do so efficiently and effectively now you speak in a way that i love it's very optimistic it's to my own in a being to the lack of a better terminology like i have real trouble um dwelling on horrible stuff but when i look at the science you know the research and um articles and they say things like you know uh negative um stories or clickbait titles get our attention Mm. and humans are hardwired to kind of focus on that one negative thing and i think people know that you know you might post something and have 20 nice comments and then you see the one Mm -hmm. which is like you know you don't know what you're talking about and that's the one you stew on stew Mm -hmm. on how do you keep a positive frame of mind and and i really ask that for you to reflect in detail because i feel like we're overwhelmingly in this world saying you've got to be happy mm-hmm. you've got to you know try to be positive and i don't know if we anyone knows what that really means yeah you know particularly because what do you mean like dress like an instagram model or positive like i got hundreds of likes on my post mm-hmm. or be a good person you know i feel like history maybe did a slightly better job hmm, of helping people guide through their own feelings and it wasn't about your endorphin hit mm. it was about it was a mixture between doing good things yeah sacrificing a little bit yeah like the word sacrifice we talked about it last time yeah it's just a word you never hear right outside of you know i guess the religious sector right um so i'm going all over the place but basically i was trying to i was trying to pick your brains like how can you sit here in a world where it feels like, you know, you got the Amazon on fire. Yeah. You've got Trump who freaks most people out. Yeah. And regardless what it's about, it's the idea that he could do anything at any time. And it's just the dude mm. who cares about him. That's the feeling you get mm-hmm. without knowing, you know? Yeah. That's the PR that most people, that most people get. So what guides you? Mm-hmm. Well, ability Right. You know, uh, we all have God given ability Mm -hmm. to do positive things that benefit ourselves and others. So the ability that we're all endowed with, Mm. you know, that physical, mental, emotional ability is one of the things that that gives me hope, Mm. you know. And the question is, are we being a good steward? of that time, energy, and resources that can be used to strengthen everyone and everything around us or break it down if we misuse that ability. 
you know, and so the fact that there is still an energy that we are imbued with that we can positively affect, you know, ourselves and the environment around us is one of the things that I know that in working together, because individually we can only do so much, but the clothes that we're wearing, the language that we speak, the, the different resources that we have are based upon teamwork. Mm. You know, even that a bicycle that passes by required a lot of various resources and people to put that together. Mm. So if we work in teams to do things positively, then we can have a positive impact. And if we're driving towards that, then, you know, that gives me greater hope and positivity amidst the terrible trials and tribulations that people are going through on a daily basis. Some whom we'll meet, some whom we'll never meet. You know, there's, there's death and destruction that's taking place mm. all around us. To a certain extent. And, and just like you mentioned before, the fact that now we're Internet connected, mm. you know, we have the ability to find out what's going on all around the world more than we ever have before. Mm. You know, um, something can be taking place in another country. You know, there could be, you know, bombs dropped on innocent people and someone from somewhere else in, let's say, the 70s or the 80s, you know, might know nothing about it. Mm. And and even and even to the fact that, you know, we're in a media rich society today, there's still a lot that goes on that we don't know about. And we're being fed mm. certain pieces of information, you know, that are, are that we're being directed to, let's say, in television media. But there can be several other things taking place let's say on the continent of Africa that is not getting that press or not getting that right, news, right. whether it be something that's wonderful or positive, mm -hmm. such as um, an artist, um, Akon, yeah. who's lighted 1 million African, Amer African homes wow. uh, throughout the continent mm. in like 14, 15 different countries. Mm. You know, so now you have people that can, let's say, study, a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old can study and do work rather than, you know, do so under a kerosene lamp, which was negatively affecting their lungs. Mm -hmm. They they have a home that's illuminated by, you know, solar panels that are generating electricity where, you know, they didn't have that before. And, um, and there's so much beauty and wonderful things that are taking place, a lot of great industry mm -hmm. that's taking place. And there's so many positive things that are taking place that we didn't know about that um, I'm excited to find out what good things are happening. Mm. Even while at the same time, I'm just watching the news and seeing about, you know, crises in Syria that where now there's more refugees that are leaving Syria due to a lot of the, you know, uh, bombings that are taking place and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And so and, and, you know, this is aside from what's going on over the past four years. Yeah. So so while there's terrible things that are taking place, there's a lot of wonderful things happening as well. Mm -hmm. And we can collectively do some wonderful things, whether it be in energy, whether it be in transportation, whether it be in connectivity to bring people together where people can collectively utilize resources to make some positive changes. And it also seems like, you know, 
I mean, this will sound very naive, but or simplistic. And sometimes I think the simplistic things are interesting to talk about because mm. we forget to talk about the simple things. You know, like um, just the fact that it means something when you tell someone you love them. Of mm. course, that sounds obvious, but if you if you don't say that, mm. it has an impact. Yeah. And I was thinking about it, like a father or a mother or whoever, a caregiver to their child and you can't just it's it's expected more than you just think it you can't think i love you mm. and it will do something it yeah. might help your stress levels or whatever but you got to say it out loud and i sometimes think about those you know very simple things like you just stated maybe five or six positive things mm-hmm. and if people including myself who are listening or watching really think are we are we Doing something as simple as taking in the good stuff mm. as well as the bad stuff, eh? Because, mm. you know, um, and I guess that leads to the social media world we have now where, you know, you really just don't turn it off. It just, it's always on. Yeah. I listened to a, um, a social psychologist called Jonathan Haidt and he was talking about uh, your- I went to his talk. Here? Yeah. Oh, wow. Was it cool? It was good. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I find his- work interesting because he he's trying to articulate social media on on to our youngsters yeah right when everyone says you shouldn't be online so much like my dad used to say you shouldn't listen to rap music yeah but they never went any further mm-hmm. the question is why mm-hmm. and he's talking about um you know your child or you are up against you know the world's best kind of psychologist in silicon valley mm-hmm. working out how to keep your kid or a person in general on a device. Yeah. And that's the bit in life which I don't understand. I don't understand why why that exists. Is it I guess it's a commerce thing. It go it goes back to to media and commercials mm. where, you know, people's eyes yeah. are now the new currency. Right. So say that again. The eyes are now the new currency. Absolutely. There's Hmm. companies that are profiting off of the viewership of people. And then, you know, that viewership and attention is being sold. Wasn't it always the same? Or was it our bodies were the currency? Like in agriculture, Hmm. you had to physically maneuver it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know people were the currency but is it mm-hmm. our minds now yeah i'm just trying to break that down in real time yeah um it, it's it's a combination mm. you know if if a family has money through the work that they do or the business that they operate you know if they're viewing something then that's an opportunity for a company to advertise to compel that individual mm. to provide them you know the dollars but in in addition to that you have information that companies, whether it be Facebook, Google, or whatever, you know, um, are collecting in terms of social media and what we like and what we dislike, uh, that knowledge and data about what we like or dislike is sold mm. to companies to um, oftentimes use to articulate a certain message mm-hmm. more craftedly to compel us to buy a certain product or service. So our our viewership and our data is being sold. And then, you know, we're, you know, in front of a screen where there's opportunity for a company to eventually advertise a product in a new, you know, creative way where advertising is a multi-trillion dollar industry. Yes. So, you know, these 
advertising companies that work for the companies that are trying to sell us a product or service, you know, they've done a lot of social science mm. research mm. on what we like, what we dislike, what we're drawn to and how to, you know, compel us to buy whatever the case it is. So you're, you're right. It's, it's gone on for many years in terms of, you know, people, you know, being the currency Especially, I'll give an example, in the United States, slaves were used yes. as commodities. Yes. You know, you have, you have the stock exchange. You know, we were in stocks, mm. you know, uh, my African-American ancestors. So when you, when you see how people have been used, um, you know, a lot of that transcends into today mm. where, you know, someone who's born is given a number, a QCIP number and is committed or is foreseen over the course of their lifetime to contribute a certain dollar amount back into the economy. There's an expectation for every person that's born over the course of their life to give back, let's say, in tax dollars to a certain you know, financial jurisdiction around the world where they are. You know, so um, in many ways, slavery still exists. You know, even outside of the correction system where in the United States under the 13th Amendment, mm. someone, if they are a prisoner, is still technically a slave. Mm. But even outside of that, that technical aspect, you know, there's still an expectation where taxes are to be rendered out of an individual to go back into a country's coffers. Um, and so there's a there's a lot going on term in terms of freedom. Mm. Where a lot of times people's, you know, movements are more and more being tracked. Mm. If someone is carrying a cell phone, that person's movement is being tracked. That data is being collected mm. and is being sold to other individuals or it's being given to government entities right. for one reason or another. So, um, you know, going back to that book, 1984, you know, there's things going on now that will make George Orwell blush. Mm. You know, Big Brother is is watching and is, you know, increasingly having a greater influence, whether we realize it or not, over our lives. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we more free than we were, you know, decades ago? you know, even a few years ago mm -hmm. as technology progresses and what's going to happen in the future. So there's things for us to be concerned about and have conversations about where we have an opportunity to have some influence over our lives. Mm -hmm. um, but when we going back to a point that you made before, if we just kind of offshore or convey our responsibility to someone or another entity and expect them to do the work. Mm. Well, that's not likely to benefit us in the long run. Yeah. You know, and I think it gets confusing when, you know, I remember hearing about that experiment where they got everyday people and half of them were the, the guards and the other half were the prisoners. That's right. Right. And, and everyone was so shocked that everyone turned, you know, um, kind of it all went to chaos so quickly yeah. and when i sat back and looked at it i thought to myself we've spent our whole lives being conditioned mm. you're told to listen to your teacher you're told to listen to your parents mm. you're told if there's a doctor to listen to them mm. and i guess that's mostly right 
but we shouldn't be surprised if we're so conditioned that we're, we're so easy to manipulate, you know? Right, right. And I think that goes to a decentralized mm. conversation yeah. where people over time, due to technology and innovation, mm. have the potential to not be so confined to what is fed to them, mm. but to analyze and critically think about, you know, what's going on around the world mm. and our viewpoints on it. And so, yes, when we're reared as children... Yes, we're taught certain things that I believe can be very valuable. Mm. And it, what, one thing that's important that we are taught as young people is how to critically think right. and how to assess the situation, determine whether it's right or wrong. And if something is wrong, what improvements can be made to it? And, you know, there's the ability now for people to live, move and have their being um, utilizing resources that are not just fed to them, but, you know, we can access individually or as a family basis. Mm. And, you know, I'm very excited about that. Mm. And as we receive information, I think that if critical thinking is not taught, then we are going to be more consumers than producers. Mm. We're going to be less creatives and more those who are just, you know, paying whatever dollar to, you know, have creation done for us yep. rather than we be able to create and have, you know, and display our creativity, whether that's in, in a commercial sense where where our creativity can be sold or, you know, rather if it's just in an artistic sense where there's less a, a commercial venture more than it is expression. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm excited about, you know, the future because of our ability to be able to create if we exercise the God-given ability to critically think about what's going on around us mm. and be able to convey our thoughts effectively. You know, if, if we just rely upon, you know, a particular school system that teaches more conformity, rather than creativity and critical thinking, then, you know, what I foresee is is a world that is going to be, you know, a worse world. Like robots, eh? Absolutely. And, I mean, we've already kind of allowed that to happen with this, you know, like our phone does a lot for us. Yeah. It, we don't have to say exactly where our location is. Mm. It's doing it for us. Mm. We don't have to, you know, you can talk to it now. We can say call when I'm driving on speaker and uh, and mm. it does it. But it's a lot of things we're not doing now. Mm -hmm. We're not going to see that person anymore. Yeah. Because we don't have to. Yeah. Because we think it's all right. I've saved time. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if saving time is the wrong metric. We seem to have so much time, mm -hmm. but so little else. Like we've got ourselves with too much free time maybe that's the problem humans don't because you reference something you said god-given ability yeah and i was thinking about it so that's I'll, my interpretation like a spark we're given mm -hmm. maybe the soul or something you know mm -hmm. you're what makes us different from the dog or something like that you know mm -hmm. this this consciousness mm -hmm. um but you have to do something with that yeah and that's that's you also referred to that as you've got to uh you've got to critically think you said critically thinking. I'm like, wow, because critically thinking and requires a bit of bravery as well. You critically thought about the chances of the U.S. melting down, mm. and we're brave enough to say, "Get you later." Mm -hmm. So, critically thinking, I think maybe, and I think about it when someone says that is, "Oh, you mean like academic?" And I guess you're saying, 
no, that is a way to bring out your inner to contribute. Would that be right? Absolutely. Mm. We do have the ability to, you know, see what's going on, assess a certain situation. And, you know, based upon what we observe and what we've concluded or drawn from that, make certain decisions, whether to positively change something, Mm -hmm. have some impact, convey a message, let other people know about what's going on that maybe do not. You know, I think that there's a responsibility, you know, to share information. But one thing that I noticed is, A lot of people around the world see a lot of terrible things that are going on, but still a lot of those terrible things persist. So I have to ask myself, is knowing just simply knowing Mm. really changing anything? Can we stop it? Can we just hold that for a second? Because there'll be a lot of people, including me, who are like, wait, what? (laughs) We're the most informed we've ever been. Mm. But that's like having God-given ability and never actioning it. Mm. Hey, there's that responsibility. Yeah. And I wonder, I just had this pop in my mind. I've had two instances in the last two weeks where I tried not to do the bystander effect. Mm. So I walked past a bus station and I saw like a, a couple. Yeah. And it looked like, you know, in this world, you just never know. Yeah. It looked like, he was doing something like maybe maybe they were just having an argument Mm -hmm. but i didn't know what to do Mm -hmm. because do i potentially um judge him for being you know the archetypal evil man that society tells us men are at the moment Mm -hmm. or is there really something going on so i stopped and i kept walking and i stopped and i was like i can't i can't not do anything so i thought do I ring 111 and mm-hmm. do I ask them? And then I thought, well, what would they say to that? Like, hey, man, we're trying to like stop break-ins and pull, you know, bad people over. Why are you calling us with that? Go and ask yourself. And um, I guess I'm also conditioned in this world where we're a bit afraid of each other. I hear you. You know, um, and that's weird. So weird because I'm massive and I come from New Zealand and chances are there's no guns or anything. You know, it's a bit different where you're from, eh? It's I like hear you. People are packing. <laughs> but um, I realized most places, public places, have an information center and they probably have some on-site professionals, mm-hmm. security or so mm-hmm. forth. So I made the decision that I would quickly go and find someone mm-hmm. who could sort it out. So yeah. it's not Joe Public. Yeah. And I thought to myself that was a nice compromise because – I definitely didn't want to leave, but I wasn't brave enough to maybe take, you know, be Robocop and take it into my own hands. Yeah. Uh, So there was that moment. And then there was another moment just on the weekend when we were driving where I saw a car in the ditch. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's a bit weird. Mm -hmm. But I carried on because you're going 100 kilometers. So it's not safe just to stop, especially on a highway. Mm -hmm. But I thought, I wonder if anyone's reported it. Mm. And then as soon as I had that thought, I... I thought to myself, you have to report it. Mm. And then I thought, do you ring 111? <laughs> I mean, I might ask someone from 111 what to do. Yeah. Because are they cool just with questions? Mm-hmm. Or So I, I kind of did the math in my mind, and I ended up calling the local area's police station. Mm-hmm. And I thought, good, now they know. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is like, you highlighted something in my mind, which is 
you can know it, but that doesn't really change it. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And I think what, what you were exercising is more of a community accountability, right. which is absolutely wonderful. You know, one thing I, I loved about New Zealand upon arriving is like a eight wire mentality, if you will, mm-hmm. where due to isolation, we have to figure out what to do on our own, where we may not necessarily have the resources right at our fingertips mm-hmm. for our responsibilities to be deferred to another organization and expect them to handle it. So, you know, you found out about ways where you can, in knowing a certain situation, bring some resources to bear that can maybe do something about it, which is absolutely awesome. You know, um, when I was I was uh, borrowing a friend's car and the car broke down on the motorway, a guy, you know, pulled up and asked if I needed a hand. I'm like, you know, that's pretty awesome. Mm. You know, Um, and one thing that we touched on before was the fact that I have the feeling based upon my observations that because of all the information that we're aware of and are not doing anything about in general, that we as people around the world are becoming more desensitized. Yes. Where we're caring about each other less. 100%. It's not all of our fault if you think of the outsourcing to the algorithm. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to ask yourself what you want to look at now. Mm -hmm. It will make it up for you. Right. And it will learn based on your data, Mm -hmm. how fast you swipe away or whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Number, serial number, they like that. Right. Feed them more. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, man. Well, I wonder if deep down that's why I'm doing this. You know? I, I think it's very possible. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to what you mentioned about, you know, research done on, you know, people caring about each other, going to that, that prison experiment that you referenced. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw a YouTube video where an, another less scientific experiment was done where someone imitated or mimicked someone being kidnapped right in public in front of everybody right in the middle of a of a major intersection this was done several times and each time the people around did not do anything mm. i mean literally simulated a kidnapping mm. taking place and men and women of various races of various cultures it, this was in the United States. This was in Southern California. Did nothing. Wow. And didn't try calling police. Didn't even think about calling one nine one one in the mm. United States. Mm. It's one 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 here. Yeah. And and so um, that is absolutely phenomenal. Where in each situation, it was a woman that was being kidnapped by like one or two guys being thrown into a vehicle and driving off and men and women just didn't even respond to it. Mm. So long as it was not them. Right. They're okay with going about their day, seeing what by all indications was a kidnapping in progress Mm. and not even call police, let alone, you know, maybe doing something about it themselves, maybe trying to intervene on the situation, trying to at least alert others Mm. to the situation. There was a kidnapping happening, you know, yelling out something, nothing Mm. out of all the experiments that were done by that team where it was all recorded. There was only one dude 
it was um it was a Latino brother mm. that tried to intervene on the situation. One person. Mm. And it just signifies how much we're caring for each other less, where we a lot of people desire to make change, have impact, but the willingness is less and less there. And we were just talking last time about how we can just see something terrible happen on a social media platform and say, you know what, in my, our minds, that's terrible and swipe to the next, you know, mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. and practically forget about what we just saw just a few seconds ago. So um, I think that as we exercise, like you did, the ability to be a positive impact on the situation around us, the more that we'll be accustomed to that mm. and actually have greater positive influence around us, community-wise, even in online communities and yeah. things of that nature, but, um, but family-wise and also um, in our natural environment. I was driving today, and you know when you drive and have speak to people in the car, it's a different conversation. Yeah. It's something about not having to look directly at someone. And maybe it's like a little bit of your subconscious is awoken. Maybe it's something like a hike or you're, you're sitting around a campfire or something, you know? It's like yeah. there's a different kind of buzz that you, you get on with people. Yeah. And I was saying to my wife, Moni, like I said, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe I've done too many podcasts where I try and, you know, blow my mind too much. I'm worried I'm it's working. <laughs> but um, I said to her, you know, most of life for everyone is so hard. Mm. You know, whether it's worries about things that might happen or might never, mm -hmm. whether it's actual things that happen, it's so, it feels so hard, like it's against you. And then I said, but you might only have, you know, a couple good things happen. And they're enough to charge you up again. Yeah. They're enough to keep that hope. Yeah. You know, and I find it so interesting if I just articulate my own personal journey at the moment, which is, which is, you know, I sat down and I'm like, man, I don't know if there's a God or not. And I really, that's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. So I've got to talk to more people. I hear right? you. Right. So mm -hmm. I thought to myself, go out and talk to a thousand people and then make your call. You know, your episode 68. Yeah. So I've got a, a bit to go. But I thought there's no easy way. How? Why would anyone assume that it would be easy, right? And so there will be a lot of learning I do. I'm, I'm not sure if just the way I'm made up, if I will ever find an answer, and that's kind of cool too. But you know what I see is a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. And I talk to atheists. I've talked to, you know, Christians, all types of people. And everyone talks so spiritually. Yeah. I think we just get a little bit clogged up on the terminology, mm. you know. But but I wish, actually, and I hope, and I hope what these kind of chats do is give people permission just to just to be open. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that kind of sounds a little bit cheesy and stuff, but I really, I really uh, sat there and I thought when I was driving I'm like man it's just so hard and I can see why people give up mm -hmm. you know and I was trying to t I was trying to work through my brain you know I'm, I'm I guess I have a lot of 
things going for me you know if we referenced syria again mm-hmm. man if you you might as well be in hell mm. if you're in syria mm. like burning in hell for eternity like i don't know what it's like but not knowing how today is going to work out if there's food or love or you know and and we talked about knowing it's it's not enough to know like and i think a lot of people bring that onto their day too yeah what the hell do we do you know and sometimes i think well it's a it's a lesson for you to try and be as kind to yourself and others and and help out as much as you can because you're not there you know and and i yeah. know that sounds a little bit kind of um i don't know i don't know how that sounds I have these moments in the podcast where I don't know how it sounds, mm-hmm. but I hope people feel my intent, which is, which is, we have a lot coming in, we have a lot coming in, and I guess we're trying to cache it out of our minds and process it, and it's all real time. Nothing's two weeks ago. Yeah, it's today and tomorrow and the future. You know. Yeah. And 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 we don't even have uh, these jobs now, which are physical. So I imagine if your job was to break down a brick. And you had a really crap day, mm-hmm. or you heard something horrible from another country, you'd break down that wall. Mm. You know, you'd use your body as a tool. Mm. And now we're trying to, like, our mind is our tool, and we're trying to get it to do all of the things it needs to do, plus take on a bit from the world, plus think about solutions to global warming. And you get it that I get it that if there's no extra layer of, you know, this being or this energy has got our back. It'll provide some type of hope. I get it why it's so easy to say it's worth nothing, you know? Yeah, and and, and that's what a lot of people do. Yes. A, a lot of people take a look at all of the problems that are going on and say to themselves, you know, I'm just one person or, you know, we're just one family. You know, what can we do mm. pertaining to these larger issues? Yeah. And um, I think it is important that, spirituality be discussed in the public square where there's the freedom to talk about it. There's countries where, you know, talking about, you know, God is not really allowed, you know, and um, how wonderful it is to be able to converse and get various ideas and perspectives on where did we come from? You know, it, are we all life on earth? coming from one single celled organism millions of years ago, you know, with kind of what we touched on before, mm-hmm. you know, I find that difficult for in such a small period of time. And I'm talking, you know, hundreds of millions of years for that great amount of change and diversity to take place mm-hmm. where you have an evolutionary train of thought that me and a blade of grass or a, a network of grass and roots are distant cousins to one another. Mm. You know, um, there's by research, a mosquito or an alligator that, you know, supposedly goes back, you know, hundreds of thousands, some millions of years with very little change based upon, you know, what some scientists share with us. Mm. So I'm thinking in my mind, going back to critical thinking, Mm. if that's the case where, you know, in that film Jurassic Park, that mosquito that was enshrined in that um, that amber, you know, if that mosquito looks very similar to mosquitoes nowadays, then 
where was the time for all that change to take place where we have such diversity of life, whether it be life that flies in the air, walks on land or is in the oceans? You know, a starfish doesn't even have a brain, Mm. you know, and so that starfish and I are related. It tends to be the case based upon critical thinking that that starfish and myself come from two different strains of life. Mm. And if that's the case, then how did life begin and where and when did it start? Mm. And I think as we converse and you go on this journey, you're going to find the answers to a lot of that or reasonable suppositions Mm. to that Mm. where as I've read in the scriptures, what I've read in the first few chapters of Genesis in terms of how life began seems to correspond with today's existence more than an evolutionary concept that all life on earth came from one common ancestor. It's just too, too, it requires faith to believe that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> w- w- without evidence to support it. Mm. And so I, I love the fact that we can talk about spirituality and I as well hope that many others do the same. Mm. And, um, you know, I have the feeling that people will come to conclusions that, you know, I've come to that many others have come to the fact that we were created by a creator Mm. that loves us. Mm. I mean, I can eat a pomegranate and I'm like, this tastes great, you know? And the fact that, you know, there's so much flavor and richness in this natural world that is meant to operate in an ecosystem where there's a sharing of that, that energy is just amazing where we ourselves are a part of the process. Mm. You know, seeds can be planted coming from a, a piece of fruit that we ate and can create a whole new, a, a whole new tree can form from that. Mm. It's wonderful yeah. what we see and observe in our natural environment. As we live in cities, um, there's less and less appreciation for nature mm. uh, because, you know, we have these concrete slabs that we're existing on and these buildings that were constructed by mankind where there's less, you know, awareness of the diversity of life and natural resources that are on this planet. And this is just this planet. What's mm. out there? Mm. You know, um, I, I see in space some wonderful things that just evidence a life that designed some phenomenal things. And, and me perceiving it as phenomenal, you know, um, might be interpreted by somebody else as not so phenomenal. Mm. You know, I don't know. But I just love the fact that we live in a world where we can discover where, you know, science is not just limited to what we're just told and are just lectured to about that. We have the opportunity to go on a journey ourselves and use our critical thinking to to draw some conclusions based upon our research and analysis. You're so interesting to me because you kind of have the scientific critical thinking part to you. You know, like a really deep analytical, but also the fact that, um, you know, and I've never asked you, I'm assuming, am I right to assume you um, a man of faith? Yeah. And so those things work in harmony um, because the 
when you spend a bit of time online like I do, you start seeing kind of narratives, you know, and it's like there's an atheist side and they're supposed to be the scientific side who they can't prove the existence. And so, you know, there's the whole conversation. Yeah. And and I get the feeling with you um, that, yeah, your science and your belief, they they work together. It's kind of like how you articulate it with critical thought. Yeah. That, that, yeah. There doesn't have to be a dichotomy right. between science and faith. Mm. You know, um, sometimes there's things that are in science that might challenge someone's faith, that might offer them the ability to see things from another perspective. And as we go about life, you know, we draw eventually some conclusions and sometimes not even drawing a conclusion is a decision in and of itself, mm. you know. And so what I've observed so far correlates to the scriptures that I've read and believe. And yeah, I believe that there's a God that created all of existence mm. that, that loves us and um, sent his son around 2000 years ago to redeem us if we choose to accept it, mm. you know, and uh, there's the ability for us to assess whether that took place or not. You know, whether there was a Yeshua, which is Jesus in Hebrew, mm. that lived and died for people to understand what he taught. So much wisdom there and to understand what he did. Mm. And I think it's so wonderful that we have the ability to assess whether that's the case or not and to see whether what we observe matches that mm. or not yeah and um, not just to be you know dictated to whether it's in the academia arena um but yeah we can exercise our own critical thinking well yeah i mean I, regarding whether that's the case or yeah. not. yeah and now that you have put that critical thinking idea in my mind that's what i've been doing yeah you know and i come up with all these scenarios like like it's like a uh it's if it's a grand plan it's an amazing one because it has all these inbuilt things in it you know so I, because at the moment i kind of think you know we might be all talking about the same thing just giving it different names you know and i think about how we are and like at one point in time horses were everything to us yeah. they got us around yeah the horse yeah you know, if you had a horse wow ira's got a horse yeah you know and now it's like wow will's got a van with mics in it you know <laughs> and so we it was about moving around it was this vehicle it was this companion of sorts yeah. um what we'll be talking about in a hundred years who knows yeah but we don't sit down and say man you had a horse and i've got a van and we can't be friends yeah you know so I think to that level of deepness that it must it's this amazing plan that we have to still remember the horse and it did something for us mm -hmm. and it so it means a bit something different now but at one point in time it was our it was our Lamborghini you know mm -hmm. and then you know you've got the other side of it which is you got these amazing cars and like sometimes too amazing and then people drive them and they drive too fast and they kill themselves you know and it's like there's all of these kind of metaphors and and i, I sit back and i think even things like difference you know i get the psych um, the scientific reason we're different and but i also think it's an amazing plan that you can't not look at the world the same every day you have to notice the difference because it's inbuilt. Yeah. It's inbuilt and humans are kind of weird and we take advantage of certain things and 
we miss other things. And anyway, I guess what I'm saying is I, I feel deeply uh, interested in everything we're talking about, and and I really appreciate you. Um, you know, uh, sitting down and talking to me and I've been wanting to do this for so long with you and I hope it's one of many uh, podcasts that me and you get to just sit down and talk about stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The question I ask every guest at the end is, do you have a mind blowing moment? Do you have a moment? Well, I've been trying to work out what that means. I think it means a moment that made you see the world differently. Yeah. I don't really know what that means, but I hope you know kind of what I mean. Mm-hmm. Do you have a mind-blowing moment that you could share? Yeah, there was a mind-blowing moment. In October of 2000 and what year was it? 2006. Mm. I was in a terrible automobile accident. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was on the 405 freeway in Southern California. And uh, it was a... A Sunday and I was in an accident where my vehicle flipped over an unknown amount of times and I had to veer away from a Mustang that had veered right over into me. I had to veer away from it. And in so doing, I hit the back of a tanker truck that was carrying nothing but butane fuel, lighter fuel, fluid fuel. And the impact of me and that tanker truck was so large, was, was, was so great that my right front tire at the end of the accident was practically meshed into my engine. While I was upside down skidding upon that impact, I was rear-ended by a pickup truck while I was skidding. Every area of the car was crushed except for where I was sitting. Had there been any other passengers in the car, um, there would have been, you know, broken, broken bones or worse. And I stepped out of that car and I had no injuries except for on my clavicle where there was a little bit of scarring from the, um, the seatbelt. And on my eye, there was just right above my eye, there was a little bit of bruising from the airbag. You know, two of the things that saved my life that day. And I got out of that car and not a bone was broken. You know, no injuries to talk about alive. Wow. And I personally believe that I was saved that day. Mm. You know, for every area of the car to be crushed except for where I was sitting, I I don't think that that was an accident. You know, I think that there was purpose in me to survive that. And over the course of my life, I'll find out more and more of why that is, you know. And so when I took it, took a look at a day like that, where later on that afternoon, that, that accident took place in the morning. In the afternoon, I went to after you know, the ambulance and I did go to the hospital. They checked me out. I was fine. I left. I went to where the car was taken to. It was like the wreckers or wherever because the the car was was just destroyed. I asked the guy for for where my car was and um, he said, uh, oh, your car is over there. And he's like, you're the owner? And I said, yeah. He said, you're the driver? I said, yeah. 
He said, I thought you were dead. When cars come to our place in that condition, the driver doesn't usually survive. He pointed me over to an SUV in that yard that just had a, a small little dent in the front. He said, that person there died. He said, when your car came in the way it was, I thought for sure that the person was dead. And this is, and it's, it's interesting when you see somebody in an occupation where they see the remnants of, an, of accidents all the time. And, you know, it just gave me a greater moment to reflect. Wow. Dude, I just installed these new lights and I feel like with that kind of story, I should have put a red up. <laughs> but I want to put a green up. <laughs> we'll just go back to the neutral. Um, all right, we're going to wrap it up here, but where can people follow you online? Yeah. And just tell us a little bit what you do like business-wise so people can connect. Awesome. Mm. Uh, well, I started a company in 2017 called Aerospace Industries International Limited, where we're developing a 3D printed electric vehicle made from recycled plastics. Wow. Yeah, that anyone can build themselves in 20 hours or less without any technical expertise. A range of over 300 kilometers per charge, so someone can drive to Auckland, to Hamilton, and back on one charge. Mm -hmm. And our desire is for it to be motorway legal, so anyone can drive it on the roads or the motorways. And so... Uh, towards that goal, we're also developing efficiency technologies that that vehicle will demonstrate uh, that have applications in lighting, have applications in buildings, whether it be residential, commercial, industrial properties and laptops and cell phones that can improve wow. the efficiency of, uh, of the technology. So a gentleman by the name of Andre Williams and uh, and his uh, partner, uh, Bill, they founded a company called Reps. And Aerospace merged with that company in 2017. And Andre is the developer of that efficiency technology. Wow. So it's wonderful over the course of my life to work with such wonderful people that have the ability. And uh, he's a believer as well, Andre, yeah. the God-given ability to develop technologies that have the opportunity for impact mm. and change. Wow. Worldwide. Dude. So you're saying... I could build a eco-friendly mobile podcast studio. Yeah. We could drive from Auckland to Hamilton. Yeah. And we could facilitate conversations yeah. without wrecking the planet. Yeah. Whoa. That's the goal, brother. Dude, let's I'm gonna buy me a lotto ticket and let's <laughs> No no no, I'll do better than that. Yeah. Oh, something's beeping. Oh, we have to finish this podcast in the dark. <laughs> My little inverters decided you've had enough. Um, where do where do we find that? Oh yeah, um, uh, <laughs> turn it back on. Hold on, come on. <laughs> oh, anyone anyone can go to um, aerospace.com mm. and uh, and reach out. Be a part of the journey with us. That's aero with an I, just like the word aerospace, but with the I instead of an A. Yep. Aerospace.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. My name is Ira Munn. You can reach out to me. Ira, thank you so much for blowing our minds. I feel like the next podcast is all about your company. Hey. But thank you for taking us on a journey. And um, man, I love this. Uh, look forward to our next chat. Absolutely, brother. Thanks, bro. Thank you so much. 